0: Every philosophy or religion must satisfactorily answer some important questions to be worth anything. These questions dictate one's worldview, how one views the world. They are how did we get here? What's gone wrong with the world? How can we fix it, and how should we live? These are the questions that must be answered by a worldview, a philosophy, a religion. And if it can't satisfactorily answer those questions, then, well, it's really not worth a whole lot. The fact of the matter is that Christianity is the only one that answers these questions in a way that agrees with human experience. How did we get here? There is a creator God who created the world and created mankind. And he put man here to live and to rule over the earth. What went wrong with what's wrong? Man disobeyed God. And this brought about the world's biggest problem in the world today, which is death. The biggest problem in the world today is death, that every single person dies. The mortality rate among human beings is 100%. Everyone dies. And so we have this problem, this thing that's wrong with the world. So the question then is how are we going to fix it? How are we going to fix this problem? Because you and I have within us, healthy people at least, have a, a desire to live. We have a desire to keep on living. But everyone dies. So how can we fix it? Well, there are those that are attempting to fix it. I mentioned Google before we started there. The power elites of the tech industry and all the rest of it are seeking to somehow get around this problem, this problem of death. And they've discovered something that I think that is interesting. I don't think it's going to solve the problem of death, although it is interesting as a piece of perhaps fulfillment of prophecy, Uh, they've discovered that the telomeres of your chromosomes, of the DNA of your chromosomes, uh, shorten as you you live. And what happens is your DNA chromosomes basically... Are, you're constantly regenerating your DNA, your, your, who you are, your cells and everything. And so as these telomeres shorten, it causes... The, this is basically what they've discovered as the aging process. So what they have postulated is if we can figure a way to lengthen these telomeres or reinvigorate them and grow them, if you will, then we can perhaps cheat death. And um, there's a recent article... Uh, I can't remember the publication. I believe it was Forbes, maybe one of it was one of those. And the the <laughs> title of the article was interesting from a certain perspective, and it was: Could the uh, could the lengthening lengthening of life with this lengthening of these telomeres be a be a fate worse than death? And the article got into this idea. Of lengthening life, but not being able, perhaps lengthening life and the regeneration of your cells, but not being able to slow down the aging process. And so, really, who would be interested in kind of living on and on and on, but in basically a a kind of an old and decrepit body? You know, so it's like, I think we're. We're interested in living forever, but, you know, can we be like 30, right? <laughs> Not 90, but 30. And um, and what's interesting about that is this idea that we see in Scripture in the book of Revelation where there seems to be a group in the end times in the days of Revelation that they, they are trying to die and can't die. And uh, so maybe we're getting closer to... This uh, thing, and maybe, I don't know, I don't know how close we are, but, you know, the end could come at any minute, any time, you know. The, but we're we're certainly progressing through history, aren't we? And the more we see these headlines, the more we kind of go, if you read the Bible from cover to cover, you know, bells are ringing off, right? You know, oh, a fate worse than death, people trying to live forever, ding, 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 ding. Oh, yeah, something something about that in the book of Revelation, people not being able to Die, wanting to die, but they can't die. Wow, a fate worse than death. So how are we going to fix it? We cannot fix this problem. People can try and try and try, but they can't. Tonight in our text, we'll see how death came into the world. We'll see how this death came into the world through the sin of the first man, Adam, and how the opportunity for life was also brought into the world through a man, Jesus Christ. So I've got a couple points tonight. If you're taking notes, we're going to look at this. The Bible study is called Two Men. The first point is this, death reigned. Let's pick it up, verse 12 of Romans 5. It says this, when Adam sinned, sin entered the world. Adam's sin brought death. So death spread to everyone, for everyone sinned. Yes, people sinned even before the law was given, but it was not counted as sin because there was not yet any law to break. Still, everyone died from the time of Adam to the time of Moses, even those who did not disobey an explicit command of God, as Adam did. Now Adam is a symbol, a representation of Christ who was yet to come. And I believe I read that in a different translation, didn't I. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I just caught that. that was, that's me comparing and contrasting. <laughs> <clears throat> so, thank God for the Wi-Fi. So anyways, I did read it. I believe in the New Living Translation. But the idea there is that death reigned. It says that Adam sinned. Adam sinned, and we know how Adam sinned. He sinned by, by disobeying a direct command of God that God had given them. He created man, Adam and Eve, male and female, put him in the Garden of Eden, gave him everything, said, you know, you're to rule and reign, you're to multiply, fill the earth, but just one thing, you're not to eat of the tree that is in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And when they ate of it, they disobeyed a direct command of God. When they disobeyed God, sin entered the world, and as a result of the sin, death entered the world. God said in Genesis 2:17, "But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat; for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die." So death spread to all men as a result of this one act of sin. And so all men die. This is the basic argument that Paul's making here in this text. Now let's back up for a second. Uh, and we revisit this t- from time to time because these are, these are some scriptures that we come across all the time. If you're going through the Bible and you're discussing the gospel, <laughs> then you're coming across the disobedience of man, the sin entering the world, all the rest of it. So the question here is really, and we've answered this before, but we'll touch on it again briefly here it says that in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. And we know that Adam and Eve didn't just keel over right there, but we know that they eventually did die, and we know that everyone else has died, and everyone else is continuing to die, and no one's been able to come up with a solution for this problem of death that entered the world when sin entered the world. So I think, I guess you can make the conclusion, you can draw from the inference there that there was something, there's, there's something of a physical nature to this death that eventually plays out in our bodies, but that there was a spiritual nature to this death that, that was realized uh, then when they actually disobeyed God. So let's go back to the text there. Therefore, just as through one man sin entered the world and death through sin and thus death spread to all men because all sin. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. So Paul has this kind of, this, you know, this therefore sentence, this therefore statement. And then, he, then you come to verse 13 and it, it's kind of like it's a changing of gears where Paul says for until the law until the law sin was in the world but sin was not imputed when there was no law. So sin was in the world before the law. Of course Adam had the law. He had the command. He had the direct command. But after that Paul is arguing here that there was a period of time where there was no law. There was there was no direct command in that sense. They were banished from the garden, and so the command not to eat of the tree in the midst of the garden was kind of out of the picture, out of the way in that sense. And so there was a period of time where there was no law, and, but yet sin continued to reign, death continued to reign um, in ban. And Paul, and Paul puts it this way, sin was in the world before the law, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. And so so there was no counting or reckoning of the sin uh, without the direct command, but yet there was this principle, this not a principle, there was this reality present within all man that everyone had death. There was death reigning. And so this was kind of, in that sense, passed on um, to all people, this idea of death. Uh, And so you had this this idea that um, you, you had no law, but you had death reigning in the lives of every single person. And so this brings us to kind of another theological question and concept of, how how did this happen? If, if Adam sinned directly, directly from a, you know, disobeying a direct command of God, how is it that everyone else is kind of in the same boat? And really, we're in the same boat. Uh, well, there's a couple different ways of looking at this, depending upon which way you you know there's different theological camps on this particular concept here one of the camps is is actually the calvinistic camp calvin had the idea that because adam sinned that he literally corrupted all of mankind man is born just completely morally depraved and without any ability to you know do good or seek god and and that whole thing it's it's uh if you know calvinistic theology this the tulip, right, and the first uh, letter T stands for total depravity, and this this is the way that Calvin would argue that that Adam sinned and brought death into the world, and and also brought literally a total depravity uh, upon man. Then there's there's a couple other views. There's the view where you know Adam is kind of the representative of all men because he's the first man. He's the he's the he 's kind of the uh, uh kind of the the top of the <laughs> food chain, so to speak, when it comes to to man, and so because he sinned and death entered into the world in that disobedience that disobedience uh was conveyed to all men because of the representation that Adam has of representing all men, so you have some different ideas there um and, well, there's one more. <laughs> and I think you might might say, well, you know, I, there's bits and pieces. I can see elements of truth in all, all these different ones. But then there's another one where we're guilty of and we receive uh, death in the exact same way that Adam did because we sinned. De- Adam sinned and death entered the world through that sin. And then also... Let's say we just have a propensity towards sin. People call this original sin, if you will. But then there's a time that we all sin. And so, you know, people like to say, oh, well, there was no law, and yet where people were dying and all this. But no, we all kind of come to this thing the exact same way. And Paul eventually gets there you know we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory you know there's no one that can kind of say well I'm an outlier over here I'm kind of you know I broke the mold and I was kind of out here on my own thing and I kind of you know I I I I you know I had the you know the 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 hail mary flea flicker at the end of the game that you know the the hundred and eight yard you know kickback uh, you know that that won the game or something no you didn't do it you you we've all fallen short of the glory we've all been born into the world uh, as a result of the the sin that entered the world and therefore the death that entered the world and we have all made that decision we've all <laughs> sinned against God so. Um, So there was this period where death just reigned, and then Paul moves on, and he begins to compare and contrast, and he he paints this picture of a difference between two men, the the man Adam and the man Christ Jesus. And so let's pick it up in verse 15, where Paul says, uh, well, let's go back to 14. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam to Moses, even those over those who had not sinned according to the likeness of the transgression of Adam, who is a type of him who was to come. But the free gift is not like the offense, for it is by one man's offense many died, much more the grace of God and the gift of God, the grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, abounding to many. And the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, For the judgment which came from the offense resulted in condemnation, but the free gift which came from many offenses resulted in justification. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Okay, so there is a difference that Paul... Paints here. It's a it's a difference between the man Jesus Christ and the man Adam. Adam, in that sense, is a type. He's a type in many ways. He's a type of Jesus because there was the time that Adam was created and sinless, right? And then Jesus came into the world, and you, it, he's referred to as you know Adam again or the second Adam. He's that. He's the Adam. He's the one that's going to be the represent representative. Can be the representative of all men, and so this is kind of part of the gospel. So you have the the that which um, kind of went to all men. Adam sinned, and and sin entered the world. Death entered the world through the one man. And if you caught that, it did say that there were those that that death reigned in everybody even though they didn't sin exactly according to the way Adam did did you catch that and what Paul's saying there is they there, there were those that didn't sin through a direct a disobedience of a direct command they didn't have the this don't eat of the tree but yet there was still sin and but it was not counted it was not reckoned against them until the law came which caused sin to abound so this is this is you know you got to wrap your mind around this stuff this is kind of some some uh, this is where you know I, the gospel is one of these things that you can explain it to you know a, a small small child you know the love of Christ and 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 how we've fallen away and how he redeems us back but then you can spend intellectuals have Spent their lives, you know, combing through the complexity of it all. And, and you could never exhaust your own um, pouring over it in that sense. Um, and so that's what we do. So, so Paul's contrasting the difference of how Adam has influenced mankind uh, to how Jesus has influenced mankind. Through Adam's offense, people died, many died, all died in that sense. And through the grace of Christ, People live, they can live, they can be a part of of life, they can enjoy life. Adam sinned, and then he was judged, and the condemnation of his sin was upon him. The penalty of his sin was upon him. And through Adam, this cycle is brought to all mankind, every person. There is no escaping it. And so judgment came from one offense. But then there's the contrasting that against the one act of Christ. So you have the the one act of Adam representing man who brought sin and death into the world and death reigning in that whole thing. And then Jesus Christ comes into the world as the second Adam and he commits an act of literally laying his life down, living a perfect life and then laying his life down. And through Christ then comes the free gift of grace, which results in righteousness being counted back to each person and life. And so we have sin and death that came by one man, but righteousness and life through the grace of Christ comes by one man the, the work of Christ. The penalty for sin is death. So whenever, you kind of, whenever we kind of talk about this problem, we're literally talk, we're talking about the problem of death. We're talking about the penalty for sin. You can, you can look at it like that. The penalty of sin, Paul puts it this way in Romans, the wages of sin, right? The wages, the pay for sin, the penalty for sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. And so, wow, what an amazing, amazing thing that we see. That yes, Adam sinned, and because Adam sinned, sin and death entered the world, and that has just reigned in man. But then Jesus Christ this representative of man. He lives a perfect life. He gives his life. He makes a way and gives grace to whosoever will come to him. And it's an incredible thing. So here's the gospel in that sense. Death, sin came by the disobedience of the command of God, right? And because... Adam disobeyed the command, sin entered the world, and thus death. Here's the gospel. Obeying the command of the gospel to believe upon Christ and receive what Jesus offers you as the representative of man, living the perfect, sinless life and giving himself for all of mankind. Therefore, the grace of God can be given to each person, whosoever will, will come and the grace of God, the gift of God can be given to you which is righteousness and eternal life. And that's the difference. So in that sense you have this picture that there's a problem with the world, there's a problem with man and it's called death. And in Christ you have the answer you have the solution. You have, and, it, and, and it's not just tied up in a solution. It's not a formula. It's not a serum. It's a person. It's the person of Jesus Christ. It's the God-man who is one with God and yet came and put on flesh, and you have this solution to the problem. So Jesus took care of the problem, um, which is amazing. And so when you look at all these other philosophies, um, you know th- at the end of the day you know they kind of th- it's kind of like they like they seem to have their way of kind of handling the problem but really when you look at it and you play it all the way out and, and you kind of get it all down on paper it doesn't actually deal with the problem it doesn't actually deal with the problem at, at some point there's kind of a sleight of hand we're going to take your sin and we're going <laughs> to <laughs> magically whisk it away to Delaware somewhere you know it don't happen it, don't, it can't happen it's got to be dealt with it's got to be a solution that actually works it's got to be something that that philosophically makes sense that holds water and that's why i said in the opening christianity is the one thing the one way of looking at the world That actually makes sense of the human experience and what is. And not only that, but then it fundamentally deals with the main problem that we have, which is death. So this is the gospel. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. So let's move this to the conclusion. Let's pick it up, verse 18. Therefore, as through one man's offense judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation, even so through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's disobedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound but where sin abounded grace abounded much more so that as sin reigned in death even so grace might reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our lord so you have death reigning in men because of Adam's sin but then you have the man this man that that Paul has contrasted against Adam the man Jesus Christ who came, lived a perfect life and gave himself on the cross for us and because of his act, because of who he is, now grace can abound. Death abounded, death abounded, but now grace and life can abound. One man's righteous act through the incarnation and Jesus Christ living the perfect life, fulfilling the law, his substitutionary death, his act of obedience made possible this, this gift, the gift of, of justification, the gift, the free gift of God's grace and being made right with God, being, made, being brought near to God. It came this way. And, and, and it, this is a, contra, a contrasting, there's a contrasting of the work of the men, the men as representatives of, men, of mankind, Adam and Jesus. And then there's a contrasting of the work that they did. Adam, a work of disobedience. Jesus, a work of obedience. Yes, yes. Okay. So let's look at this. Jesus obeyed the will of the Father. Right? The Father sends the Son into the world. And Paul explains it like this in Philippians chapter 2. You're familiar with that passage. It's known as the kenosis passage, which is the emptying. It's the self-emptying of Christ. And this is the way Paul puts it in Philippians chapter 2. He did not, speaking of Christ, he did not consider equality with God, something to be grasped, but made himself of no reputation and took on the form, took on human flesh and took on the form of a servant. So he he, he didn't the idea there is he didn't consider his his godness his equality with god he, he, he didn't say i'm going to hold on to that i'm just, I, I, i'm not going to go i'm just going to stay here i'm just i'm going to grasp hold of that because i'm i'm god i'm 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 the i'm the second person of the trinity I, I i i'm not going anywhere i'm i'm holding on to this because let's 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 face it i don't know that we understand The Lord Jesus, the second person of the Trinity, coming and putting on flesh and coming into this world. We try to wrap our minds around it every Christmas. We we go through, you know, we wow, oh my goodness, Emmanuel, God with us, born in in a manger in Bethlehem, and the angels and, the, and the, everything, and we and we try to really kind of understand that. And and, and I think all those trappings kind of help us kind of put some you know flesh on you know our understanding in that sense but when you really look at it from this kind of bigger sense here you have god three in one father son holy spirit the son did not consider that equality with god something to be held onto but he said I'm going to humble myself and I'm going to take on the form of mankind. I'm going to come as a man and I'm going to walk among them. And I'm going to do this. And here's what's awesome about this, what Jesus did. Because if you look at the temptation that man had in the garden, what was it? The serpent told them, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, what? This fruit of the tree that they were forbidden not to eat of. For God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God. So the act of disobedience was Adam trying to grasp onto God-likeness. And what Jesus did is he humbled himself and didn't consider that equality with God something to be held onto, but gave up that place and entered into humanity and became that representative in human form, the man, Christ Jesus, who lived the perfect life, went to the cross, died, rose again, and ultimately defeated death. And because of that, we can have the free gift of God's grace. The gift of justification, the gift of of being right with God, and on top of all that, being given life, eternal life forevermore. Amen? Amen. And so it's just really an amazing, amazing contrast. And there's so many, as I've poured through the Scriptures all my life, I've been amazed at kind of uncovering these types of things, these types of things where you sit there and go, wow, wow, wow. Isn't that wild? So, um, now, not only was there the obedience in coming into the world and you know walking and um you know i i i, I don't i don't know you know i mean if it was me you know if I was Jesus, <laughs> I probably would have come down and you know you dealing with this stuff you know dealing with these donkeys and these camels and this and that and whatever and these people that don't get it. and It's like, like, Dad, come on. (laughs) You know, beam me up. (laughs) You know, get me out of here type of a thing. You know? And you know, you get a hint of that in Jesus' prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane on the night he was uh, arrested and taken into custody. Where he's crying, he's well, he's weeping, or he's sweating intensely blood through his, you know, I guess scientifically they figured out that you can just, in those intense, these intensities, the, the capillaries or whatever in your forehead, whatever. And he's saying to the, he's saying to the father... If there's any other way to go about doing this, <laughs> right? If there's any other way, take this cup, right? But then he says, nevertheless, not my will, but yours. So even in that, there's an obedience to the plan, to the Father, in submitting to the plan and walking through with it, and there was no other way. This was the way. This was the plan. You know, the book of Revelation tells us that, that Jesus is the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. So this is a plan. This is the, this was the, this is the plan. There, there is no other way. So Jesus gives himself. In coming into the earth, he gives himself again I believe kind of at that moment, and you know, it's actually at that place was one of the most significant places I remember visiting when I was in Israel, of all the places, and there were many that were like, "Oh wow, this is great." But I remember being there in the you know the Byzantine Catholics came in the second, third and fourth century and, and put up you know churches over like all the what they said were the these spots, right? So you have what they call the rock of agony where Jesus supposedly prayed these prayers that are found in John chapter 17. And wow, you're looking at this rock and you're thinking this is where Jesus said, you know, okay, we're going, we're going for it. We're doing this thing. and um, And he got up and he did it. So, we're living in a time, really, where grace abounds. Mm-hmm. Grace abounds and the opportunity. So here's, here's the message to the, to the Google elites. <laughs> You're looking for a solution to life and death, the longevity issues. Jesus, the man. Christ Jesus is the solution. He did it. He did it. And if you'll accept Him, if you'll let Him be your Lord and Savior, you have justification, you have right standing, and you have eternal life in Him.